So hey everybody, welcome again to the Christian Bible Study Ministry Podcast. We are now at the, or excuse me, we are now in the third and final part of our study on the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 9, which is what we'll, you know, we're going to be reading out Daniel chapter 9 today. And I hope that uh, this study has been of benefit to somebody. It certainly covers a lot of stuff. You know, again, uh, when Daniel wrote this, none of it, uh, virtually none of it had yet, had yet at that time come to pass. And now the majority of it has already passed, you know, but we are not yet at the point to where the worst has came, nor are we at the point where the best has yet came. So, and that's a lot of stuff in there, and that's why this has been broken down into three different parts. So, here we are now, you know, and at this time, uh, at this time in his life, Daniel is an old man, and he is praying for an end to the exile, which had, uh, going on for, I believe, if my memory is correct, uh, 70 years. And he was, excuse me, and Daniel, excuse me, as I said just, just a second ago, was an old man, and at this time, uh, the governor of Chaldea, this was again, this was the, uh, the Persian Empire, was Darius. Or Darius, I, I believe that's how it's pronounced in uh, whatever the uh, Persian language was then. I don't know if it was Farsi or what, but uh, Darius was the son of Ahasuerus. You know, so now we will go to chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. Excuse me while I get my Bible ready here. I thought I had it. Uh... In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So, at the beginning of his reign, Daniel came to understand from the word that the time of captivity was almost over. It had gone on for 70 years. Daniel was evidently tired of it and he was ready to go back home and he sees here that that time will soon be over. Verses 3 through 4. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O oh, oh Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. You know, Daniel, this is something that uh, should stand out to a lot of, to everybody. Daniel humbled himself before God and prayed. He knew that he would uh, show mercy to them who love him. And that's what we'll see in just a second why it should stand, we know why this uh, area of scripture should stand out, you know, because we will see that Daniel will humble himself. He not only humbled himself, but he confessed that he himself was a sinner. I think that's very important. You know, the Lord 
says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's in the New Testament, but that is more or less what Daniel's getting at here. If you want to follow the Lord, he will bless you and he will give you what you need. We go now to verses 5 through 6. We have sinned and have sinned and, and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. He himself, Daniel, said, I am a sinner. He said, we. He was a sinner. He shared the blame for Israel's sins, and thus for Israel's misfortunes. You know, they had turned from what God had commanded them. The Lord gave them uh, many years uh, centuries, in fact, to uh, get their act together, and finally, when they refused, the Lord's patience was at an end, and so uh, he raised up the kingdom of Babylon to come against um, Israel. Israel. The Israelites were uh, sent into exile. Verses 7 through 8. Excuse me, uh, verse 6. Verse 7 through 8, I'm sorry. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel that are near and that are afar off through all the countries, whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, verse 8, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Because we sin, or because of sin, because of their sin, they were driven out and among the strange people was shame. You know, they were ashamed for one thing because of their sin and because they were in a place where they didn't know anybody. Strange language, strange culture. Strange, uh, you know, and just strange, you know, their, um, their their religious practices were maybe strange to them. It was a totally strange culture. Verses um, 9 through 11. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we to obey the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants and servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured among us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Again, a major point is the forgiveness of sins through that we go astray. Israel, Daniel has confessed here again, is responsible for her own condition. Daniel is responsible for the spot that he's in because of his share of the sin. They turned away from the Lord, worshipped idols, and turned away from the commands that the Lord had given them. And again, here they were stranded in Babylon. But mercy is also a part of God's character. 
He knows we're going to sin, but yet he is also willing to forgive us and show us mercy. And even when we haven't fully repented, he still shows us mercy by not show, by not giving us out the you know, by not giving out the full measure of the punishment that he could. Because he doesn't want to do these things, he doesn't want to break us down, to, you know, to where we're at the end of our rope. You know, he doesn't want to do that. But it winds up happening because of our refusal to repent. Verse twelve. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake unto us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. The Lord had done as promised, and he punished Israel and Jerusalem like no other city was punished. No other city had suffered the punishment that uh, Israel or Jerusalem had. And I think, you know, you know to me it's kind of interesting because I think we can say that uh, more than any other city in the history of the world, Jerusalem to this day has known more war and violence. You know, there's uh, con excuse me, constant conflict over there. Go to verses 13 through 14. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet may we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth, for we obey not his voice. Israel was hurting, yet they didn't repent. And so the Lord God allowed these miseries to happen. And then this is again repeated for emphasis. That's what we just read. He allowed these things to happen, you know, because he was tired of it. His patience was at an end. But even then, Israel was not totally consumed. Verse, verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, that that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renowned, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Again, Daniel says they did wickedly. Daniel says, in effect, he did wickedly, because he is part of the we. Verse 16, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city of Jerusalem, the holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Daniel begged God to turn away his anger from Jerusalem because there was, because it was a, a reproach along with all the people to everyone. You know, the world looked upon Jerusalem with this was, I guess, scorn. And it was just, you know, it was not something that the world wanted to look at. Jerusalem was desolated. Her, her people were, were, were gone into exile. And it was not the city of, you know, by any means the city that it had once been. So, verse 17. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications 
and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. He was wanting a return of blessing to the city so that that city would then bring, would be a testimony to the glory of God. Daniel wanted Jerusalem to be restored to its righteousness, its glory, so that people would look at the city and say, this is the city of the Lord, you know, and bring glory and praises to the Lord. That's what Daniel was wanting. Verse 18, you know, Oh my God, incline thine ear, and hear open, excuse me, open, Oh my God, incline thine ear, and hear, Open thine eyes, and behold our desolations in the city which is called by thy name, for we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. And it wasn't because of anything that that Daniel or the Israelites had done that would have deserved God's mercies. You know, they were wanting his mercy because of because of all the wrong stuff they had done, all the punishment that had been brought upon them. They were crying for mercy. So Daniel prayed for the great mercies of God to be shown, not for anything that the nation had done, but simply for mercy. He pleads with God to not to not defer or delay his mercy. He wanted God's mercy to come quickly. And as mercy does, you know, it can and does come, but it comes in his time. Verses 20 through 21. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, in presenting my supplications before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. This is astonishing. What Daniel is saying is that all the times when, while even we're in the middle of praying, God is already answering our prayers. He sent the, the angel Gabriel quickly to answer Daniel's prayers and to give him the information that he needed. You know, sometimes we say, the Lord, you know, I wish the Lord would hurry up and answer my prayer. Well, sometimes he's already answered it. It might be a no or, you know, or it might just be a wait. But sometimes, like what Daniel had experienced, that time that the prayer is being answered is then and there. And in Daniel's case, in a very dramatic fashion. We go to verses 22 through 24. And he informed me and taught with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. This is a lot of stuff here, people. You know, again, as soon as the prayer began, Gabriel was dispatched to give, to give him the, the understanding that he was asking for and needed. Here begins the prophecy of 70 weeks. You know, and we must remember that it was common in Hebrew society to refer to weeks as seven years. So one week would be seven years. Or seven, you know, seven years is one week. So 70 weeks is, four, is 490 years. 
Verse 25 we go to now. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. And threescore and two weeks the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So a command was given by Artaxerxes, the Persian emperor, in 446 B.C. That's when that command was issued. We're going to go to verse 26 right now. Um, and after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Remarkably, the exact years Christ would be born, or excuse me, the exact year that Christ would be born was foretold. He is referred to as Messiah, the Prince. He would come 434 years after the rebuilding was completed. You know, and you know, just to let you know, the Jews used a 360-day calendar, you know, which is what they used, uh, which is the same calendar that was used all the way back to the book of Genesis. They didn't use a 365 and one quarter day calendar the way we do. They used a 360-day calendar. So this, this all works out to 30, about 30 AD, 30 AD being the year Jesus died. And remember, Jesus didn't do anything to deserve his death. You know, that's why it says he was not cut off of himself. It was because the people around him, the Jewish leadership, did not want him. They rejected him. They thought he was a blasphemer because he said that he was equal to, you know, that he said, he said that he was God. So they had him executed by the Romans through a conspiracy. They had him executed. And in 70 AD, the, the city was destroyed by Rome. It was destroyed in 70 AD. So it seems that Rome is the group or people from which the prince that shall come will be from. Romans, uh, the Roman Empire destroyed the city uh, about 40. It was 40 years after uh, the death of Jesus Christ. They, they destroyed the city, tore down the temple. Not all of the temple was torn down, but, you know, the vast majority of it was. Take a short pause here. Okay, now we're back. And I think it's interesting to note that since Christ was killed, you know, the world, it seems like, has had peace cut off. Wars and rumors of wars, you know, we look at, you know, there's no telling how many wars have been fought on and off, you know, continuously since uh, Jesus Christ was crucified. We look at the world today, there's dozens of armed conflicts going on around the world, you know, besides the one in Ukraine. And I believe this is a, it is a consequence of the world's rejection of Christ at that time because had the world accepted Christ at that time, then we would already be, uh, you know, we would not be where we are today, and, and you know, es uh, eschatologically speaking, you know, I think it's safe to say that we would probably already be in the eternal kingdom. So, but that was something that God already knew was going to happen. So, we go to verse 
27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of that week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. This is referring to, of course, the Antichrist. One week is seven years, you know. Uh, my belief is that, you know, at once, at some point after the church is gone from this world, uh, the Antichrist will rise to power through some manner. And a seven-year peace treaty will be signed, a, a treaty of some kind will be signed, and... In the middle of that, my, you know, I believe that the Antichrist will suffer some kind of wound. He will die and then satanically be resurrected from the dead. That is when the true terror of which Daniel speaks will commence. You know, stuff will already have started to happen before then. Don't get me wrong with the, uh, the outpouring of the wrath of God, the plagues and things. But it will be at the mid at the midpoint of that week that it will get horribly bad. So evidently, also the temple will be rebuilt and sacrifices will be happening sometime in the future. We are told that you know the Antichrist will have all this stop and demand worship of himself with his own image, and this will last for three and a half years. So, uh, you know. I guess maybe to kind of shine a little bit of hope on the, that scenario. For the first three and a half years, it won't be uh, as bad. It won't be the Great Tribulation. It will be the Tribulation. The last three and a half years will be the Great Tribulation, which is when the persecution of the Christians and Jews will greatly be amplified. It will be ramped up tremendously. And I, honestly, I'm glad and hopeful that the church will not be here during that time. It will be have been removed from the world, so it won't have to experience that. Excuse me, y'all. I had to take another little pause there. But, you know, we're talking about the Antichrist and how, you know, what the precise situation will be in Israel, I believe, at that time. You know, I believe we'll, we will be looking at a rebuilt temple with you know the sacrifices will be offered daily just like they were during the Old Testament days and the Antichrist will set himself up in the temple he will set something something up in that temple and have all of the sacrifices stop and say I'm God you will worship me you will worship me or you will be killed that is what the world will be facing. And it's a horrible thought. You know, but anyway, I hope that this program, this series has been a blessing to you. I, and, and I want to stop right now and say this. I know that this podcast is not a, it's not what I say is, uh, it's not as fancy as some of the other programs out there. It's just me and the microphone. Uh, you know, but I hope that that doesn't really detract uh from the quality of the podcast. I hope that people get a blessing out of this program. 
and, you know, I'm not on a uh, regular schedule here, like a weekly schedule. You know, I try to keep it uh, at least on a uh, monthly schedule, on a uh, on a monthly basis here. You know, but I pray that this program has been a blessing to somebody because I feel like I, there is a call to teach the Word of God, you know, and to tell people about Jesus. So, and I hope that uh, this podcast is. Uh, a means by which I can fulfill that. And so, but I want to pray right now, Lord Jesus, I hope that if anybody's listening to this, that they they will have an open heart and an open mind to your word, to your gospel. I pray for their souls, their salvation. I pray that they will accept you and see you for who you really are and accept you for the, you know, accept you as the Savior. You're the only way by, that we can have our sins cleansed from us and forgiven. And as a little note, uh, kind of a side note, I guess, you know, there's a, you know, I was informed today that one of my old teachers from high school had passed away, you know, from cancer. And it's just, I, I pray for their family. Uh, I can mention her name, the family of Mrs. Uh, Phyllis Bryant, one of my old teachers from uh, Melville Christian School. And, uh, all these other people who are fighting this disease or have dealt with the loss of a loved one from cancer or any other illness, you know, I pray for these people and it's in Christ's name. Father, I pray this. Amen.